In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the world famous True Life Podcast. We got a bunch of people chiming in here. Some people are setting up, so it may take us a little moment to get to get things going. But we've got uh, Paula Powell from Hawaii. We've got Anthony B coming in from Canada. We got Tor all the way from Scandinavia hanging out. He's going to be streaming live to his audience as well. Um, while people are setting up, uh, Paul, are you there, my friend? Yeah, I'm here. Nice. It's, it's it's happy. I'm happy to see you, my friend. I know that you know Tor. You may not know Anthony, though. And as I was speaking to Tor earlier, Anthony is uh, coming to us from Canada. Him and his partner have a lab in Jamaica where they are. They've banked something crazy like, I don't know, 50 different strains of psilocybin that they're working with. And they're they're at a point now where they're. I think they may have signed some disclosures with some private corporations, but I think that they also are shipping psilocybin out to places where it is legitimate. So he's a cool cat. We'll be bringing him in. Anthony, are you there, my friend? He might not be chiming in yet. What are you up to, Paul? How are things going? Um, Good. Nice. Very yeah, nice. Same stuff, you know, just kind of, you know, working on farm stuff and um, yeah. All right. Taking it one day at a time, man. How about you? Oh, living the dream, man. Tor's got some pretty good information for us. He's gonna uh he's been laying it down over there with the the uh FTL pro is that the FTL project? Did I say that right, Tor? Fuck my life project. That's FML right. FML. Okay, okay. Well, why don't you lay it on us, man? What's what's the big news over there? Oh damn, you want all the news? <laughs> I want whatever you can give us, man. Yeah, it's um a lot of things have been happening and it's very much like psychedelic related because I was trying to figure out how it, what's the best way to get people to see my side of how I see psychedelics. And that is basically the scientific way, the way, how we see it, like personal development, using it for more than just the, the buzz and all those things. 
So we were talking about what if we get them early? This is going to sound so horrible, but I'm going to get some context. We were thinking about creating a Roblox game, which is going to mm. get people into the whole system nice. and then creating a personal development journey through Roblox from when they're, my son is seven years old and he's kicking my ass in Roblox. And we figured if we're using that technology with AI and everything that's coming out and really bridging the gap between nature and virtual and all that stuff, giving them some, some insights into spirituality and personal development early through a game, that would be cool. But then that's just the beginning. So we have that whole human development center called Valhalla, where we want to, we talked about that earlier, like just host these 3D virtual reality psychedelic therapy sessions, which is something that I, I think in the proper set and setting would be pretty freaking amazing. So while we're doing that, we're basically just taking it one step at a time. And I have, as I said to uh, George earlier, we have this community with 7,000 people in Norway, which is quite substantial given the size of the country who are all in that group because it's about Liberty Caps. And um, we're talking to lawyers, you know, journalists, politicians, doctors. We're talking to all the people that we can to change the law in Norway because it's so retarded, in lack of a better word. But we're basically trying to raise awareness, increase, um, you know, the, the whole security around it, reducing harm, and just trying to make sure that people understand the potential of this. But also while doing that in a very new kind of way, using personal development and and this knowledge, I guess, this knowledge-based industry in a, a different way than I've seen before. So a lot of things are happening. I just picked up streaming again, trying to get more social, get more out there. And it's so enjoyable because now as you get out there, people are starting to pay attention. You're talking about your dream. People are coming in with investments and all that stuff. And you're like, should I do this? Should I not? Lots of things are happening. I think we're changing the world, literally. How would you? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And I'm, I am... I'm not surprised, but I'm excited to hear you guys are 7,000 strong over there because mm. it doesn't take much, you know, and, and what I, what I really, one of the things I really admire about psychedelics is that while it's a personal journey, it's like, mm. it's like wrestling kind of, you know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, if you, if you wrestle for a living, like you go out and you face that guy alone, but you're still on a team, you know what I mean? And everybody on your team has to win if you want to win the duel meet. But if you're wrestling a tournament, it's you versus that other person. So it's an individual sport but it's still a team. And I think that's kind of similar to psychedelics. Everyone goes on their personal journey. Everyone has their own things that they're working on, but together everyone working on their individual game is making the world a little bit better. And so, uh, exactly. you know, I, I, I had, I had this point I wanted to bring up to to both of you guys and get your opinion. I spoke to this girl yesterday. Who's a sound. She, she's a audio artist. So she works for, you know, um, movies televisions video games and she's the one that gets the sound just right you know and it, it's the pitch it's the gain it's the volume it's all these things of setting up sound and, and i was thinking to myself i know that in clinical trials whether it's ketamine whether it's lsd or whether it's anything that the pharmaceutical or big companies are working on they use set in setting and i know they mm. have playlists but I'm thinking, wouldn't it be an amazing thing to introduce sound into those clinical trials? Because I think you could use sound as an anchoring. Like, you know, people that have anxiety are going or, P or have PTSD are using psilocybin or psychedelics to get over that anxiety. But sometimes we all know that afterglow falls off after a month or something like that. But if you have a sound embedded in your mind while you're deep in that trip, then you could bring that sound back up as an anchor and it could pull you back from the ledge if you're if you have that anxiety. What what do you think, Tor? Is that something that sounds plausible? 
I think it sounds plausible. It's basically like the Pavlov's dogs, right? There you go. Like is yeah, just conditioning your brain to to react in those situations. I I'm st- I'm trying to see like picturing myself in a trip, depending on the the degree of depth, I guess. But that's a good point. Yeah, would you be in a place where you can remember that and then snap back from a bad reality? That that's something I have to test out. <laughs> I think it's possible. What do you think, Paul? Yeah. Um. Well, you know what? I was. I just wanted to touch on something that Tor was saying. Yeah. That, um, project yeah. that he was working on. Um. You know, we live. I'm in Hawaii, Tor. Um. You know, United States of America. And uh, so I'm just wondering, what are the, what are the psychedelic laws like in Norway? That's a great question. Ridiculous. That's the first, the biggest covering. It's basically. Norway loves to follow the U.S. So it's, you guys are working, you guys are, it's illegal, you're working towards legalization, mm. or it's been decriminalized but not legalized? Or... Completely, completely criminalized. Like it's, completely um, yeah, yeah. It, it's so taboo that you will be, you'll be looked at side by side by heroin junkies and everything. Like we don't know, people don't know enough about this in Norway. So that's kind of where I see myself wow. playing an important important role because the people, the justice department, like we had people uh, coming going around interviewing people. So this TV show was doing this uh, raising awareness program for cannabis, I think, and it is in the same category almost, like. And when they asked the justice, justice minister, the prime minister of justice, whatever it's called, um, he said that it's illegal. That's why it's illegal. It's illegal. I was like, do you have any actual facts or base, something to base this on? Well, yes, he's going to send you the sources afterwards. And then, you know, in post, they said what their sources were. And there was one fucking, you know, this um, tabloid magazine with a fucking article and one uncredited blog post. That's where he goes and finds his facts. So no, no medical research. No authority from any people who's actually been doing anything with this. And he was just so arrogant, so so stubborn in his ways. That is just no, that's just how it is. And that's how Norwegians are. We are very much like to to stay in our limited mindset if we're not feeling whatever we are trying to be convinced of, right? If if I can't make them feel a psychedelic drip, I'm pretty sure they will take those opinions to the grave. And that is a hard sell. Like that's that makes the job interesting. And so, like, what about other drugs? What about, like, marijuana? What about alcohol? Yeah. You guys have loose alcohol, you know, like, lower age restrictions, 18, oh, yeah. 15. Marijuana, totally illegal as well? Yeah, marijuana, totally illegal. Getting a little bit awareness around that. But alcohol is monopolized and just praised as the end-all, be-all drug for everyone because everyone needs to drink. It's basically said from the government, right? That is the one thing that is legal. So that's what everyone will just say. Well, of course I drink. I'm drunk every New Year's Eve, every every Christmas party. I'm drunk because that's just how we roll. But so, you, do you yeah. think that there's a um, you think there's a push from the? I mean, how how big is your alcohol industry? Do you think they have Huge. a a influence on the the criminalization of other substances as well? Like you yeah. think that you know, a movement I, I, yeah. the alcohol industry keep things illegal to keep other drugs illegal or other substances illegal i wouldn't be surprised man because here like i stopped drinking a few years ago years ago after i found psychedelics i basically stopped drinking right 
and then that's when I started to pay attention. And I think that the the industries here, like the pharmaceutical industries and the alcohol industries, are so huge that it wouldn't surprise me if there was some lobbying behind there to make sure that marijuana just stays where it is, because I think they see a loss of profit if not. But in right. Norway, we are smart. Like we we keep people in the prisons through money. Like if we can keep a person just comfortable, you know, giving them free money every month could be like five hundred dollars. They won't put up that much of a fight because if they do, they will lose that that money, right? Right. And that's right. why, yeah. So right now, I think there's a lot more happening behind the scenes than what we see, but it's done in a very smart way. So it's hard to kind of get the truth out there because we look like the crazy people. We are the crazy people. Right. Well, that's cool then. I mean, like 7,000 people, on yeah. me, mostly Norwegians, right? That's substantial. It is if people actually saw what we're trying to talk about. Like, okay, just to give you a context. I mean, you know, considering all the, the, the circumstances, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But most people are, like, afraid to, to be associated. So they won't comment. They won't like. They won't speak up about their use. They won't do anything that could kind of put them in a negative light in terms of society. And that is a problem, right? Because you see that given that it is a group about specifically about liberty caps, and given that many people who does psychedelics have this more unifying feeling of people around them, they won't base they won't judge a Muslim just because it's Muslim, mostly, right? Because we see beyond that. We see that just because he follows Islam doesn't mean as he's, he's a terrorist, more or less, just to put it on the on the point. But yesterday we had one of those articles, those posts. A Muslim posted a post, and we had to remove it after after 24 hours because people were like, isn't this about drugs? We can't have religion in here, right? And that kind of paints a picture. Like, even though 7,000 people is a substantial, That's many are not wicked. And so what has been the historical, cultural response to mushrooms in Norway? I mean, is there anything dating back, you know, to, you know, the the earliest of Norwegians, you know, using these substances? Is there any, is there any you know, um, anything about you know, a history there of, of, of using these things or, or is this relatively new? And also, I guess I'd have another question. I'm just trying to figure, you know, kind of get an idea yeah. of what you're facing over there. But, um, you know, like, you know, we had this like cultural revolution that was pretty big in the late sixties and the mid seventies. And I think that cultural revolution kind of went around the world. And so, you know, just kind of get an understanding of, of Norway, <laughs> you know, history with, with psychedelics. And then, during our cultural revolution, if like your parents or grandparents or whoever were, you know, you know, in their younger, you know, twenties, teens, twenties, thirties back then, if they had any um, experience with, with psychedelics. Yeah. Some of them, not, not all of them, because as I said, Norway loves to just follow the U S if anything happens over there, you can bet your ass that within a year, a few years, people will do the here as well. Like the government will follow it. People will follow it. So we had a hippie revolution here as well, if we want to say it like that. But the people that went into that revolution basically went underground afterwards. So now they are hermits. They are hermits and they live alone because who wouldn't? And uh, now they're getting to that point where they're basically dying out. And this new revolution is kind of coming out from the underground. So I don't know. Cultural her heritage. I think that also the Vikings used Am Amanita muscaria quite some quite a lot and also i wouldn't i wouldn't put it, put it under a rock that they used liberty caps as well because they were crazy so 
I think that our society is very much based on this substance, but most people just seem to ignore it or don't want to entertain the thought. But we had those revolutions, just not as much as you had in the in the U.S. That's you know, I yeah. I think I think that it's ripe for a disruption in that, like. The 7,000 people that are in that group, they seem to me to be people that may not be super fond of authority. And when you look yeah. at the revolutions or you look at the movements in any sort of society that abides by authority, there's always a subgroup that wants to show, hey, I don't know, I don't like being told what to do. And I think you can harness that. You know, maybe, maybe there's some, maybe there's a movement we could start with your group. Like may, maybe it's wearing a red wristband. Or maybe it is wearing a symbol that the, that's cool that the people in authority don't know what it means. I think that has always been a way for people to show their disdain for authority mm. while standing up for what they believe in. And it's about, you know, whether it's the the red a red and white wristband like an Amanita Mascara or, you know, like the LC. You could use the the LC as like the, uh, the initials of Liberty Cap. You can start putting out shirts or start putting out. You know, maybe maybe we could on this podcast do some giveaways to your people that they could, you know, or just something or, or flyer mm. stuff out. But you start putting up that little that flyer, or that sticker in people's windows and people know, oh, that guy's part of the tribe. And I think it kind of grows on itself like that. But I've seen movements build that way. And it's always yeah. built around something people are passionate about. And sometimes the best movements are based on things that are deemed illegal by the authority figures. And, and clearly, you could make the case that, at least in the United States, it was stated that the reason they kept psychedelics as a Schedule One, and some of them still are, is that they, do, they, didn't, they were afraid of people beginning to think for themselves. And if you exactly. look at the psychedelic renaissance we're in now, you can see people waking up to their own power. You can see people deciding their own ideas, blazing their own path. And Maybe that's something scary that's for the people over there. So something to think about. Are we actually doing it? Like nice. To, yeah, a little bit more context. Everything that we do is basically in the umbrella of the Legacy Forge, which is, which is under the FML project. But the Legacy Forge is meant to basically teach people about their own power, like just as, through personal development, but also yeah. with plant medicine as a tool to reach those new levels. And as we have, I think we mentioned it before, but I I think that once a person reaches financial liberty not not like i now have millions but if you're able to create money using the tools that we have today if you're able to package your knowledge and sell it to another person and you have money to be you know you have everything taken care of you don't have to fear the government taking away your your support right you don't have to fear your boss giving you you just firing you if you do anything that is out of bounds bounds you have much more freedom in doing whatever you want and saying whatever you want because the money is not going to be taken away so the legacy forge is there to teach people these skills to teach them about personal development spirituality if they will plant medicine and most of all almost just to get that self security that self confidence that they can actually make money by helping another human being because as we all know that is not something that is being taught in school like we we learn all this unnecessary shit, but we don't learn how to value our own experience and to help another person with that. It's insane. I've seen that mentality as well, because if you try to sell anything to a Norwegian, I tried to sell a $10 thing and I got called a cult leader. 
<laughs> literally, well, it was insane. You know, in, in America, we call that "fuck you" money. And, yeah, uh, exactly. You need "fuck you" money. And then, um, but you know what's interesting is that you know, like looking. Am, am I am I correct in saying that Norwegian is history could, is is Viking history? Yeah, some of it. Like we are not Vikings. Most most of us are pacified Vikings. I would. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, a lot yeah, of them are like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, just from, you know, what history has taught us in different movements around the world when it comes to, you know, either practices, language, substances, dances, mm -hmm. any anything that's cultural that's been suppressed over time. Some, you know, usually it's been like, you know, young people that have gone back into their own cultural history and been like, look, our ancestors used to use mushrooms or peyote or marijuana or any of these other different things or certain types of dances or dress or whatever it was. And even in those societies where in modern times they're illegal, it's this reconnection with culture, historical culture, you know, that has often yeah. been like the, the pathway to, to change, you know, just getting enough people, you know, if there was such a history of using, you know, mushrooms or whatever psychedelics, I know, I know that, uh, that Vikings drink mead. Which can be yeah. kind of a hallucinogen, right? Like yeah. if you let it go long enough, it has a you know euphoric, you know um, euphoria properties, you know about it that aren't present in most other alcohols. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's those types of connections I think that you know help that have always helped cultures move past these roadblocks of taboo. That's a really good point because, like the the book that. Uh made me see things very much differently this like the um hidden key the secret religion with no name by brian rescue and he's talking about ergot right just mold growing on bread and given the technology back in the day i have no no questions that the mead might have been psychedelic at times yes. that they knew about liberty caps because i mean at some point some person in this country must have ate the fucking mushroom and then Guaranteed. you know yeah, and then spiking these things with things like ergot. Maybe they learn how to cultivate it because two thousand years ago they clearly did, and the Viking Age is a thousand years younger. So, absolutely. And but here now, when you say that, let's say that you say that you're proud, God forbid, that you're proud of your heritage or your lineage, right? Now is like, oh, you're such such a toxic masculinity kind of guy, right? We have that kind of mentality going on because it yeah. seems like Mo Norway is too modern for its good for its own good yeah yeah well I mean it can't be all about you know toxic masculinity I mean there's no you know I mean Viking you know culture was was you know what I know about it which is very limited was much more than just that right exactly I mean Values. these deeply ceremonial religious um you know people who just not only believed in in um you know like multiple the, like multiple entities multiple deities mm. you know or different parts of nature different parts of nature yeah. and so that, to have that you know to have that that type of history you know there's they paid homage to many different things mm. just you know toxic masculinity but you know what because of like hollywood and mm. uh, you know and those you know specific aspects of viking culture history or been told in such a way that 
a lot of people are now associating that culture with with toxic toxic masculinity, with warmongering, with raping and pillaging, with exactly. and all the rest of those things, right? And it's like there's nothing. It's not. It's, there's nothing unmasculine about embracing all of the you know the, the softer sides of of Viking history as well. Hawaiians got caught up in the same situation that things mm. have. I can imagine, yeah, because you know there were warriors on Hawaii, right? Still are to some degree. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Very much a warrior culture. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. but in, but embracing softer stuff like hula, you know, like, yeah, like you know, like rhythmic drumming and and you know, and different things through it told their story. But you know, but people get associated and it's not just Hawaiians. It's, it's, it's most of Polynesia, right. Yeah. Where it's this warrior, you know, Haku, you know, um, you know, war, tribal warfare mentality mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, is, is also plaguing, you know, um, not just, like I said, not just Hawaiian, but Polynesian culture as a whole. And so what do we do? We got to get back. You know what I mean? We got to, you know that I mean, we that it is there, right? Those things mm-hmm. are real, and and that is a you know a rich part of of Hawaiian culture history as well. But also to promote the other things that you know within the that most people don't see. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. Like the whole, it, I would say that if you don't, you're not a really good partner if you don't have feminine sides to really resonate with your feminine partner if that makes sense and if you are in any kind of relationship you need to have the balance you need to know how to feel basically you know acknowledge your freaking emotions and i think that yeah in that case when you see the vikings you know the historical aspect of it they were really into uh, grooming really clean people like doing making tools to make themselves look good like earwax out of the make making them look good and you wouldn't do that just to die young and just make a pretty corpse. I think that you did that because there was a mutual respect there. Like there was this thing that people seem to have forgotten. And that's, it's sad, but I think, yes, you're right. We need to bring awareness that it doesn't really, it doesn't vibe. Like Vikings is a show. It's made for Hollywood. Mm. Yeah. And, and, I, and so like, you know, all of those old ancient cultural, so, I guess my point to the whole thing is, it's like what I was saying before, is it's really hard to argue against one's own culture, you know, if it's yeah. really historical fact, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so you'd be like, look, our ancestors participated in ceremony or whatever it was, and we used these medicines, right? Exactly. To give us insight to, you know, to help us understand one another for protection of our communities, whatever it may be. Right. And then yeah. it forces people to like really look at it in a different light, you know, and 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 really kind of look at them themselves and how they view things. Right. And then yeah. even more important is that if you can tie that to like some sort of opposition culture, like the reason why we no longer do these certain practices is because this other opposition culture <laughs> that you could really start to bring Norwegians yeah. together and support. And whether or not they actually want to participate in the use of these substances or not, you know what I mean? They will support it, right? Because they look young people and especially older people. They're going to be like, look, we have to, at some point, 
every person, people reach a certain age where they have to start looking towards the younger people, you know, right. to to kind of lead, to to step to step up and and to and to take more of a you know a prominent role in society. And and this could be one of those things, you know. I could not agree more. I I think that you know when we met George, we mm-hmm. were about to go into these one of these ceremonies. That turned into what you're saying, Paul. Like it, it turned into way more than a psychedelic trip. It was a uh, a ceremony where we basically honored where we came from. And then it was, it dawned on me afterwards, like in Norway, we are very strong on religion, ironically enough, because we had a Viking dude that just went off and, and killed off the entire cultural, spiritual beliefs, um, killed off the old gods by Christianizing, hmm. making the entire Norway Christian, right? And because of that, Norway is really freaking strong in religions. We have literally a person who started a religion called the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Not shitting you. And the, the rules are simple. You can start a religion in Norway. If you're not listed with another church, if you have a creed, and I believe that the whole unified cosmological, cosmocentric worldview, and just what you see on a psychedelic trip is very easily translated into something that could be a creed for a religion. And then just going back and, and using this as an umbrella for the Osatru, like the, the Viking, the Viking belief. And say, this is what they use for sacraments. This is literally it. And you can just check it. So I've, I've been seriously contemplating to just start a religion. Because in Norway, again, first of all, you need 50 people. You need 50 people to uh, to sign up, to either like to register officially as a religion. And then if you get a thousand people, you start getting freaking support from the government, which is a hundred bucks per person per year. And if you have 7,000... It's actually money in the bank just by being a freaking religion, which is crazy. That is that is pretty crazy. I was thinking it's funny you mentioned the whole church thing, a psychedelic church, because uh, like I, I as uh, you were mentioning earlier, like we have the whole growing the psilocybin in Jamaica and it being legal there in Jamaica is like huge on religion. I think there's more bars and church per capita than anywhere in the world in Jamaica. And I was thinking to like looking into like possibly starting a psychedelic church too with psilocybin being legal. It's kind of yeah. something I was looking into too. But uh, Norway seems like it would be pretty risky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we have politicians right now who did it for the drugs. They, they literally did it to get high. And that just infuriates me because they went on a show and they took eight grams of Liberty Caps on live TV in a barren apartment with a freaking host that tried to scare the crap out of him with a mask. So, of course, that did not come off like a, a good thing for the movement. But just the fact that he was fighting for this, and just be- because we have this religious support, basically, and because it was reacted to, like he was fined, and he, he was threatened with jail and all that stuff. So now we actually have a legal battle going on in Norway, because if religion is so prioritized then that should be legal maybe not as we're going to use mdma lsd dmt and all those things as sacraments but if you use one liberty caps nor norwegian's natural freaking psychology i see it's logical it should be able to. are there are there strains of psilocybin that are like indigenous to, to norway that grow there yeah we have liberty caps yeah well then yeah that, that makes sense like you guys have if you have like a church that's based around that because it's right it's like regional and has to do with you and everything 
And there's churches already. I know in Denver. Denver has psychedelic churches. I need to funnel back them. There's one in Arizona. What? You have several yeah. psychedelic churches in the U.S.? There you go. Yeah, yeah. probably. I would imagine. There's, yeah, there's probably yeah, a lot more than one. A lot more than the Peyote Way Church of Arizona? Yeah, I recently... Yeah. I recently talked to a guy who they started their um, so they they found a way to to get mushroom. It's called the Church of Silimathoxin, and Silimathoxin is the it's a molecule almost exactly similar to the the toad venom, which is I think is bufotain mm. or something like that. But they feed they feed the the bufo to the mushroom, and then the mushroom produces the silamathoxin, which is like a combination of the two. And so they're able to use that as their sacrament. They patent it, and they work primarily with veterans. And they were able to get their their um, all their paperwork done because they you know it, it comes down to semantics, basically, like a sort of language. Mm. Like this is the sacrament we use. It's it's our particular in, you know, it's our patentable thing that we have figured out a way to use. It's not, it's not illegal on any books anywhere because it's a new substance that we created, and therefore it's not on the books anywhere. So you can't say it's this psychedelic that's bad. You know, I, I could put you in contact with those guys, and they could, t and you could talk to them about the way in which they set stuff up. I don't think that they're ready to start sharing their silamethoxin recipe with anybody. Mm. But you know, there's. Anthony and his friend in Jamaica, they have different strains that they're doing. If, if, if the problem with setting up a church in Norway was finding a specific type of psychedelic, I think Anthony and those guys could probably help you with that. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. Like all, all everything that we grow and produce, we have like we bread and, and uh, we bred like over a hundred different varieties of psilocybin, just a whole bunch of different oyster mushroom, penis envy, a bunch of different ones that have been essentially mutated um, to create higher levels of psilocybin and psilocine in them. And some of them are, some of them have like, uh, some of them have less psilocybin, but higher levels of psilocine. So it's kind of more the onset and the psychoactive effect is quicker than normally. So I'm not sure exactly what, <clears throat> what you'd want, but I would imagine that you probably want something that's relatively low not not very strong and we have no no extremely strong oh you want like, extremely oh, strong like liberty caps liberty caps as far yeah. as my knowledge and i've studied this are on the third yeah. most potent in the in the world they have a lot of psilocybin what? but a lot a lot less psilocin but they are a lot do you know of what the overall psilocin. tryptamine like do you, do you have any idea of like the percentage of the tryptamine content like the overall or have you had any um, tested i haven't had any tested but Damets okay. wrote about them in uh, mas Magical Mushrooms of the World, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. Where he has this this graph, and uh, it says you have the Acerensis on top, and then uh, Bow something on the second, and then uh, Similanceada on the third. But it is low, it's high on psilocybin, low on psilocin, but it's also high on Bow Cysteine. I think it died his name, but it's weird. Name. And we are still trying to figure out, is that what is making it so potent? Because it's it's tiny, but it kicks like a mule. Yeah. Anthony, could could you if he if you had like a sample of that particular strain, could could you guys find out? Could you could you uh figure yeah, we could out? test it? You could yeah, test we could it, right? Get it tested and get the tryptamine content. 
so well, we know be like uh, yeah. how much is it, how much you would what the tryptamine content will give us essentially is just how much the active compounds in there so the psilocybin and the psilocine and they'll give us a percentage of each one and then overall together is the full tryptamine content so just of the active pharmaceutical well the active ingredients in the mushrooms you could have like a, a, a you know what's um, all, man I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't go around looking for something that you know isn't unregistered or people don't know about to try to circumvent yeah. law. I just you can you can yeah. just, You're right. run, just, just go through the wall, man. Just you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, and I, I also think like you're, it's going to be hard doing what you want to do in, in Norway. Like to your to your mm. point before, there's all these barriers of entry, and I think like uh, pharmaceutical companies, the alcohol companies, the tobacco companies, like this is like psychedelics are disruptive for all of them, right? So they yeah, exactly. they have billions of dollars that they're playing with, and they they're going to be lobbying for you not to be doing that. Yeah, exactly. We have we are seeing some. Um... Some rise in private uh, sitters. Like if, if you are a sitter and you have it clearly specified on your website that you do not provide the drugs, you're literally they're just there with other people doing the drugs who are nameless. And then those people supply themselves. Then you're technically not breaking the law, but it's still a very gray zone. So I have a lot of confidence that if we continue, if we get people out there with their stories, emotional stories and how they got from suicide to actually creating a life that they love and more people are kind of joining that that message, then that is the most obvious thing to me that will actually provide change because then you can't deny the people. If you have a whole bunch of people coming up and saying that, what the fuck are you doing? Like, th this is the science and this is the effect. I should be dead. Come at, Come at me, right? Because we're not breaking the law. That's a, that's the beauty of this. Like when you've gone through one experience, you don't really need to take mushrooms. Like I I take very rarely I do ceremonies because I don't need it because I had the personal development on side of that to really get me the insights that I need. So if people just saw that is not a drug, is a medicine, and you don't want to do it all the time because if you do, you're crazy, and you know all these things. I can't imagine going on a trip and just do it recreationally every single day. I couldn't even con fuck that. So, yeah, how, George, yeah. I'm sorry. I said, how, how, how is that, George? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I just I went through a phase like a month ago where I did it every single day for a month. How and much? Like, <laughs> well, I would just do like a like somewhere between a half gram and a gram. Oh, that makes you know, Yeah, yeah. So and basically, so, a microdose. Yeah. Yeah, I would say a little bit, a little bit more. A little bit more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> gram, yeah. Gram, gram yeah. is, uh, if you do a full gram, like the lights are on, you know what I mean? Like the colors yeah, yeah. are different. You're thinking yeah. different, but it's not enough to change the there. way you drive a car. It's not, a, it's yeah. not going to change. I, I, in my opinion, I don't think you're putting yourself in danger or anything like that, but it does fundamentally shift the way you see the world. And what I've here, there's two couple things I've learned on it. One, I I began thinking that the idea of tolerance was bullshit because I took mm. it and I'm like, you know what? I still feel it. And I thought that maybe day two, day three would be a little bit less. Felt about the same to me. Day four, five, and six, maybe a little bit less. But the fact that I could still feel a gram on day seven and on mm. day 12, it made me rethink a lot of the literature that's out there about, about tolerance. And you know, I don't thoroughly understand the way, the, the amount of, you know the uh, the 
amount of neurotransmitters that are that are attaching to the 5H2A. I don't obviously I can't measure that unless it's subjective. But the fact that I could understand it and feel it is you could argue it's subjective, but I you know I, I felt it and I could see the world differently and I continue to have maybe there's some confirmation confirmation bias in there, but the fact that I could do it for 30 days and then on on two of the weekends I took like you know maybe seven gram doses on on two of the weekends and I, I liked it. It was, um, you know, it, the, the problem with it is, is you become a lot more different than everybody around you. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, I found myself like not irritated by silly things, but just beginning to get a little bit more weirder than I already am. And, and that was kind of a you, problem. You know what I mean? You, yeah. You, you basically took in other people's energy more easily. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I think that, um, and I'll tell you another thought that I have. And you guys can tell me if this is crazy because after that experiment in my journal, I wrote down some different ideas that I was having. And I think there, I think you see more when you're on mushrooms. And I think yeah. that's because your pupils are dilated. I think the same is true with LSD, but I haven't done LSD in a long time. And so th this is just pure speculation, you know, mushroom George talking, but I think when your pupils are dilated, you know, like when you're in a trip and, and everything's breathing, right? Like, mm. you know, it's kind of wavy and breathing like that. I think that that comes from the default mode network being shut off and you're seeing things the way they are. You're seeing things moving. You know, if we, if we start looking yeah. into the world of, you know, um, we start looking into the world of uh, Meditation. how things work. There's, they say that there's, there's, it's, it's just molecules and waves moving. And if, yeah. when you're tripping your balls off, everything's moving. Now, I wasn't tripping my balls off every day, but, you know, I think more light is getting into your eyes. Maybe that's why things are moving. But I think you see more when your pupils are dilated. It gives you a headache. It causes you to, like, you know, you, you get, like, this almost like a hangover headache because I think all the light is coming in and your, 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 your cones and rods, like, Jesus Christ, there's too much fucking light in here. But I think you're getting neurons. to see more. And I think that that is the idea of intuition. And when I speak yeah. of intuition, we all know like, oh, I think something's going to happen. And it's not so much extra sensory perception in that you're seeing more. Like and you start thinking about the lexicon of the language, like, hey, that you can see the light. Yeah. What happens when you see more light? Well, you can see more things around you. What happens when you're taking in more information? You're getting more download to your senses. You're seeing a bigger picture. And so I think by being on mushrooms for a long period of time and i think it's specifically having your pupils dilated bigger longer i think you're taking in more information and i think you're seeing more of the world around you whether that's you know slight ticks of people's faces or you know, it's just more it's more body language yeah. it's more of the the planet around you but it's more and so you have more to process and so you have more knowledge out there and that makes you that that could you know make you be somewhat of a someone that is known as seeing more does that kind of make sense what do you guys think is that total bullshit or what, what do you guys think Dude, about that I'm, I'm, <clears throat> your, your shutter's open yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right I have... things are printing longer yeah <laughs> i think that's yeah. what's happening you understand them better you see them with more detail what normally your shutter would only see for a flash now it's yeah. seen for like two seconds and you're like oh yeah. shit i see it you know? Yeah, which is why I like to see trails and you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and that and that like, leads to telltales. Like you know when people play poker and you can like they have tells because they their fucking eye twitches one time. Like if you're if your eye if your shutters open longer, you're getting more information to process in there. And like it comes with a pretty steady headache. But you know, is that new neural pathways being built? Is that more processing where is power it? or where is the headache? The frontal lobe, I think, like right up in here. I think in the in. Do you feel in, okay? So yes, the third, the third eye. If we're going into like spirituality, I I think you could say that. I I I would say more the the prefrontal cortex. Yeah, yeah. I think I, dude, this this it blew my mind because, <laughs> yeah, I I I talked to you about this before the stream. This might be a kind of lengthy explanation. Yeah, please. if that's okay. Yeah, I got into human design, and anyone here has has you, have you checked out human design? Jason is our is our human design guy. Yeah, exactly. He got me into it. Like now, <laughs> I'm fucking obsessed. So he read me, and I was like, "Whoa, that is insane! Like that that is not supposed to be possible. What the <laughs> fuck, right?" So I started to really delve into it, and the more I did, the more clarity I found in myself. I'm a projector. I'm a pretty like 20% of the world seems to be projectors, according to human design, and it's very much about quantum physics if you want to say it like that, because it goes on to the position of the universe at the time of your day or your birthday and how that impacted everything in you. Like that is for some people hearing that is like fucking bullshit. Here's the thing though. If you go into quantum physics and energies and frequencies and vibrations and all those things that Tesla talked about, like if you understand those, if you have those, you understand the universe, right? I think that you, the shutter, the eyes being more open, the the longer shutter speed it sounds amazing i think there's actually more than that because you feel that fifth sense we're trying to communicate that fifth sense and we call it sls we talked about that a little yeah. earlier before yeah and it's more the energetic connection that intuitive thing because you're not just thinking with your meat vessel you're thinking with your energetic self which is like the whole if if we're not a soul but we're just fragments of one huge soul and when we are meditating when we're taking psychedelics when we're going online basically we're communicating with more of that one collective consciousness, yeah. right? So I think that if you have gone and done your deep work, then you living in flow is way more achievable because you don't have all that shit that is going to cause frequency when you're doing certain things, right? If you're thinking a certain thought, you're not going to go into a negative spiral because you've worked through that shit or you know how to get back up, right? So you're going to be way more on that same frequency and keeping that and then just keep on adding to that. If there's one thing that I've seen is that the more I know, all of a sudden I break a barrier that is almost fucking physically measurable where I feel like, whoop, the, that, that's the world. It just got bigger. Or I just got more limitless. Who knows, right? And then if you really start to just think about those energies, like if I'm talking to you, I don't think I'm seeing you. I'm reading your energy when we're talking and I can edit myself real time. And I think that is because of that state that we go into. On psychedelics but we can also do it on meditation through breath work now there's a fucking device through light therapy which blows my mind because it's patented have you heard of it I've, i i have heard of it yeah and that that if you can target specific energy level like energy brain waves and yeah. lambda and gamma and yeah. alpha and all those things and do that without the psychedelics then it is technically light or your brain doing the work right it's Basically, it's already in you. It's innate in you. And when you get those psychedelics and you go online and you see more, I also think that you feel way more because you're now connected to everything around you. Right? Make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. I, I, I 
you know, when I was just talking to someone about frequencies the other day and, you know, the same way I make noises with my face, it's just sending waves. Yeah. Somehow I'm sending waves via light speed to you in another country, but you can decipher those wavelengths and the colors are wavelengths. Everything is wavelengths. And so, exactly. yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said about it. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, of language. And I think that the, the language we use to communicate is a, yeah, Anthony's here face to face, man. Nice. nice. And so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, when we look at it like frequency and waves and we look at language, like there's a lot of things you can find in historical text or scriptures. Mm -hmm. Like they're always talking about the light in scriptures. Like you go into the light or a light is around someone's head, the illuminated ones, the Illuminati. Like mm -hmm. there's all this talk about being illuminated. And, that, and that's what I was thinking about as well when I was, yeah, if your pupils are open, you're getting more light. You're moving into the light. You're seeing the mm -hmm. light. And on a weird sort of way. Whenever they draw aliens, their eyes are always like total black. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like their eyes are just always like that. Like maybe they're getting all, maybe the aliens are getting all the light. You know what I mean? But Dude. I think there's something to it. And I, I, I should write it. I should write it out in an experiment form so other people could try to do it and yes. repeat it and see what they thought. Right. Absolutely. It, it's funny. You mentioned the alien thing. So I was listening to Joe Rogan's <laughs> podcast and he was talking about aliens too. And he was like, it's crazy like how we always depict aliens with these huge heads and yep. big eyes and skinny bodies. So it's like they don't really care about their physicality or anything anymore. Nobody cares about being jacked or being ripped. It's just how much you can capture with your eyes, what you can hear, and how big your brain is to use your brain power. Right? Yeah. It's not even Dude. about anything else but that. It makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. I think psychedelics uh, are a catalyst for that. Yeah. I, th I think so too. Like I, now, on yeah. some, yeah, go ahead. What you got? No, no, no. I, th I think on some level, you know, when you look back at the Renaissance or you look back at, you know, pick your religion. I'll just use Christianity for this particular example, but there's Moses in the burning bush. You know, a lot of people say that the bushes in the Middle East was like an acacia, which is rich in DMT. When you yeah. look back at, um, any, mystics or the prophets they were talking to god when abraham was up on the mountaintop he couldn't even look god in the face you know and if it, it doesn't take a whole lot of twisting ideas to see your own hardcore uh psych your own heart your own hardcore psychedelic experience is talking to god you know people get weird when you say things like that but if you heard if the voice you heard toward during your 15 gram trip that could be interpreted as God the same exactly. way that Isaiah or Elijah talks to God. So too, does God talk to us? It's just that people get, you know, especially in the East and West in the Western religions, if you go out and you tell people, Oh man, I talked to God, they'll lock you up. But if they you have in the locked East, my friend up yeah, for that, they, for that, right? Yeah. If, if you live in the Eastern religions and you're like, Hey, I talked to God. I found out I'm God. They'll be like, well, congratulations. You figured it out. Exactly. Yeah, because he's literally saying he's God, and that's why he locked he's locked up right now. Literally, what, and the, that's yeah. was that one of the guys I was talking to when, when we first met. Yep, man, that, he seems like such an amazing guy, right? and it's it's just that they don't understand him. It's too bad there's no one there to that understand. Like he's yeah. not he didn't seem like he was a problem to himself or anybody yeah. around him, right? Exactly. 
What's wrong with being God? That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, say that to people who don't see things as we do, because that's the that's why the the Islam oriented post became a problem with my community because they saw that as a religion and they had a stereotype connected mm. to that. And he said literally, like he found Islam through psychedelics, and I have no issue believing that. He's he said yeah. that he got also he's in a fucking mental asylum as well. So Man. he was sharing about a catastrophe that he thought was going to come. And so he's just warning people from his... He was doing 20 grams a fucking day, dude. 20 grams a day? Well, yeah, for many, many days. <laughs> that no is wonder. a lot of that, mushrooms. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's that a lot. is a lot. And I was like, no wonder you didn't give your brain fucking time to rest. But there again, yeah. he was extremely... It was a religious-oriented kind of thing. And now, as my friend says, he's God, and people are just like, you're fucking crazy. No, I just need cannabis and shrooms as my medicine, right? I think Man. that if he had more understanding of what we're talking about right here now, yeah. he would see that, yeah, maybe you feel like God, but that is Christ consciousness. You are God, but maybe yeah. not in the scripture way that you think, because now everything is kind of following what he already knows. Yeah. But if he knew more, that's the whole point. We just need to talk about these things to make people think differently, just to see maybe there is some truth to this because that doesn't seem too far off i would have loved to read i would have loved to heard what what it was that he saw or if he had a journal like i know, you know he's, he's saying it all the time he saw jesus coming out of the sun with a backpack he handed him the backpack now he needed to go around helping people he's a healer that's crazy really that's beautiful yeah but we see that we and a very select few people in a thousand seven thousand people don't see this <laughs> As you long know, as you're not going out and like shaking people and being like, hey, I got to give you this backpack. You exactly. know I mean? As long as you're he, not pushing it on people, as long as it's just you. Yeah. The, the craziest thing we did was the day we met you. We went out in public to ice bathe and to stand there and just shout to get all those energies up and yeah. meditate. We meditated in November with fucking after been ice bathing. And we sat there for 20 <laughs> minutes being warm. And people are like, oh, you're crazy. But what is the secret? Yeah. You know, we have to, yeah, we have to shift the fucking perspective on all of this. I get really passionate about this. <laughs> so here's an idea. I, I know that um, in the United States, they have Alcoholics Anonymous. And that was founded mm. on somebody that used LSD as the therapy. They taught like a 10 or 12 step program. But I think initially the guy that founded Alcoholics Anonymous, he used LSD and he had tremendous, uh, a tremendous success rate. And it kind of went by the wayside because they didn't want that. You know, some people said, oh, you're just replacing a drug with a drug. But he's like, no, use this once or twice and you'll never drink again if you don't want to. Or you'll have one drink. I'm wondering if you could translate some psychedelics. I think you would have the same sort of success rate. And that might be a way to edge in into Alcoholics Anonymous or something like that. I agree. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Alcoholic, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, we have some of them. They're state run. So it's like you're going to you're going to love this if you my brother went through those programs and he got out but it was not like he got out because of like-minded community that supported him in getting out mm -hmm. but the rules are if you have one sip you're out you're you're done your spot mm -hmm. is going to someone else and i was like you're really helping someone shouldn't you give them at least a few chances just and be there and see them and support them and keep them keep them accountable for their journey that seems more sensible right and then here, the whole um, using psilocybin as a retreat, like as a treatment center. Yeah. 
is so far off what we can do right now because they don't see that if you just right. take a few you will not want to do more drugs because one dude found drugs in the freaking prison yard and he was <laughs> locked up in isolation <laughs> how freaking ironic is that he would have if he got to just choose if he got to eat two handfuls i can fucking damn guarantee you that he will love every fucking guard in there he would not be any trouble he would eat your most tasteless food and he would not come back in and he would definitely not be an addict if he had the right people around him. So that's why I want to go to prison right now. Like I have said it before, I am willing to go to prison because I think I have things to share now. I didn't have that the first time. Maybe you could start a pilot program at a prison in Norway. I tried, but they said, ah, uh, maybe you should remove that, that mushroom. And I, yes, I did that because it was my, my website was basically, this is now a part of my website. And if you get to my website, you're going to see that I love mushrooms. And I think that, yes, sure. I understand. It could be taken the wrong way if you don't have the context. But that is a great idea. I'm gonna. Um, we have been talking about it, and I just haven't pulled a gun because I'm doubting my own value, mm. which is very freaking interesting. That's a beast that is interesting to tackle. You yeah, have so that's actually. Just... It's funny you said that, Greg, because that's actually for the for mushrooms. That's actually who we're going to be targeting first. It's uh, in Jamaica. We're yes. looking to target first uh, prisoners, police, and the army because they're like. At high stress, I mean, yeah. there are people who I think benefit maybe most from it in the society. But I think versus in Norway, where it's like people are just like people, well, it's an illegal one. And then in Jamaica, like I had mentioned before when we spoke, it's like it has a negative condensation, uh, mushrooms. It's not really something that people people take per se. And like like yeah. I said before, the name the name that they call it is uh, they say junju, and junju pretty much transfers as mold. So, you know, like, say so your mom will be like, don't eat that. It has junju on it. So junju is a mushroom. It's mold. Like, mm -hmm. people don't eat mold. So it just has a negative connotation okay. right now. But, um, but uh, yeah, like, like you were saying, the pilot program that we want to really start with the treating treatment is uh, a large, large, large doses, large, large, uh, not dose, large number of people doing microdosing. And running a microdosing study um, around the people that are in prison, uh, the police, and the the military. Really, that's wow. who we're who we're looking to target and see if we can get in with them. Because, well, I mean, I think it's just like anywhere. It's the it's if you can get the military to do it. Just like with a lot of programs happening in the states, I think it starts with the military, and once they do it, then it kind of trickles down to the general public. It seems like that's how everything starts. Like all that's the technology genius. we have. Yeah. yeah. That's genius. And I think there's enough veterans groups out there that have, at least in the United States, that are beginning to, you know, pay for it. Like the the uh, the VA is a, is is passing laws that allow ketamine therapy. And I think they I don't know for a fact, but I think that there are some particular areas that have allowed for mushroom use. And, and there's a you can go on Google Scholar and look up the studies or you know what? I, I, I know people that have written studies that I've interviewed. And you could probably go on LinkedIn and find people that have that have used psilocybin for PTSD. And that could be the foundation for your argument to start a pilot program in a prison, even if it's illegal. You could say, look, I realize what the rules are here, but this is a lot of these people are here for life. Um, here's a, here is not a normal. They don't go. There's no lifers in Norway. <laughs> No. Well, that's even better then. I, mm -hmm. I think that you could show what I would, I would, I would go in with a, with an article or some studies that showed like 
here's someone who had tr a tremendous amount of PTSD. Here's, here's a person that wanted to commit suicide. Here's where they are now. And you could probably have a, a stack like this thick of them. It would be very difficult for people to turn, turn it down. You're like, look, this costs almost nothing. This particular substance can, it's already helped this many people in the United States where it's a schedule one drug. Like, you know, if you can go to them and you're a very charismatic person, right? I think that if you went there with your heart on your sleeve and like, look, I want to help people. I've been here. I want to get them yeah. out of here. And beyond that, I don't want them to ever come back here and I can do it. And here's how I can do it. And if you don't believe I can do it, here's how it's already been done. Like, why don't we try to help these people? Yeah, the problem is, though, oh. you know, generally they're looking for credentialed people, you know? Yeah, like, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Who have like, so you may walk into a prison and be like, hey, I got this great idea. We should be doing this. And they may even so, say, yeah, this is a great idea, but you can't do it. Right. So, yeah, because you don't have, you know, you don't, you know, you know you're not a psychologist, you know, you're not a, a chemical engineer for whatever reason. You're not a doctor. You know what I mean? And so, like, you know, maybe like connecting yourself with somebody, you know, who, who, you know, has a degree and you know, thinks the same way you think and, and, um, you know, and, and starting there and then still just pushing. But what you, you know, but what you can do is really push the whole cultural thing. If, if that aspect of it is available. There's someone in your 7,000 followers that has those degrees. I guarantee it. There's Dude. someone in Norway, one of those 7,000 people that's a doctor, that's a psychologist. My dad. There you go, right? Like You have you've literally changed my life right now. I just want to say that to you right now. <laughs> Paul, George, if I was to ever have another kid, it would probably be Paul George. You, named, you, know, but... you know my name is George Paul, my middle name? Did you know that, Paul? What? Name? <laughs> Paul, I George, didn't... Paul. <laughs> There's no Anthony in there, though. I guess it yeah. could be a George Paul Anthony. That's kind of a nice, has like a Greek name to it. Kind of a Greek warrior feel to it. <laughs> but, but seriously though, like right now, this video is being streamed in the community. And I see that there's one person who actually deemed to show up live. See, this is what we're talking about. We have 7,000 people here, guys. If we can just start collecting those stories, do that. Start.torsopola.com. Yeah. Go there. Hit me up with the stories because if we can produce emotionally fucking hitting stories, we can literally change everything. We already have doctors. We already have psychologists. We have freaking, I think my dad has the Western Norway police chief on speed dial. So we have a lot of resources right fucking now where I can go and do exactly what you said. Yeah. Bring the fucking paperwork. Tell the fucking story. What, what can you go wrong? Like if they can say no. Oh shit. Fuck, well, then okay, you go to the we next just one. keep on going. Yeah. Well, you just, you sell your idea, right? You sell your yes. idea to people who are in the places where they could actually put your ideas to work. Like, I'm a beekeeper and I believe, you know, I raise queen bees and, and I believe in the health of honeybees, but I don't have a degree in entomology. Exactly. Right? But so I teamed up with a guy who has a, a couple of PhDs and one of them is in chemical engineering. And he's also, you know, a professor at a university in Japan. And so that's my credibility, right? So we, we, we started, to, you know, coming up, you know, theorizing what's killing honeybees around the world and the arguments against the current um, types of honeybee research that are being conducted around the world. And like, how do we, how do we, 
how do we gain traction in this, you know, well, he's a longtime beekeeper in Japan and I'm a longtime beekeeper here in America. And so, um, you know, it's about, there's a collaboration to where, you know, he, he, you know, he's doing research. His research is getting shut down because of circumstances of, 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 of how you have to keep bees in Japan in order to keep them alive and somewhat healthy. And, um, you know, connects with me where I'm not facing here in, on Maui. We don't face the same adversities that honeybees face in Japan. We come up with, you know, a series of research projects that counter the chemical companies, you know, the Dow DuPonts, Monsanto, Syngenta companies of the world, Bayer, and, um, and start, you know, cranking out some research that, um, that, you know, basically taking their argument away, but I couldn't do it alone because I'm just a beekeeper. Right. And so I don't, I don't know like all the methods of what makes scientific research, scientific research. I just, you know, I'm the mechanic on this end of it. Right. I, I do the work. I keep the bees, you know, I collect the data, I do the work. And, um, and so, you know, it's, we, you know, we got to a point where it's like, Hey, Paul, you got to fly to Japan because I'm getting ready to meet with the Japanese minister of health. And I need you, we need to start going through some of this research that we've been doing over the last few years. Um, so that I'm prepared to have a discussion with the guy who's kind of in charge of the whole thing. It was, it was like, wow, like, you know, beekeeper on an Island to, you know, dealing with somebody who has all those credentials and teaming up and be able to produce, you know, research projects where, you know, where people, you know, take notice and, um, and he's in a position, you know, to to meet with the upper echelons of Japanese government about what's happening with not just farming and honeybees, but, you know, human health in Japan. And so, like, for you, like, the same thing, right? Like, because you're the guy with the ideas. You're the guy, you're the boots on the ground. You're the organizer. You're the guy who's out there, you know, delivering the message. You're, you're wrangling people together. And so to find people, like, you don't necessarily need to go in the prisons. You need to find the people who can the people who have that credibility, those credentials, you know, that can, that can speak to the people who have to, you know, check off a whole series of boxes before they let you get near a prisoner. And then, you know, kind of that way, but you're, you're the orchestrator, man. You're the, you're the guy with the ideas and that's, you're the most important guy, right? It's just a matter of assembling your team together, you know, to, you know, to make all that happen, whether it's, whether it's decriminalization or a step further legalization, right? Because if they just decriminalized in Norway, that's a win, right, Tor? Oh, yes. Yes, right? of course. Legalization is a whole different thing, right? Just yeah. decriminalize it. Stop, stop finding people and sending people to jail for using yeah. these substances. And then it's you ridiculous. go connect, right? That's one aspect of what you do. That's one aspect of your, you know, of, of your project. And that is my network. Yeah, literally, you're you're networking, and it's going to be an underground network, right? Because what I'm hearing is these things are taboo in Norway, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you know, it's going to be an underground network. You're going to have to find the right people who professionally, you know, maybe putting themselves at risk, but if they feel the same way you feel, you know, they would they would understand the boundaries really well and be able to you know balance, you know, do that high wire act, you know, and 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 make it, you know, dude. Make it a, like a you know a more accessible project for other people, and then there's also the aspect of what you're doing when you're 
you're out there, you know, in the community and you're working with people and you're talking, you know what I mean? It's kind of like you're, you know, it's like you're giving a sermon. So you, you're doing all these things, right? That's cool. And then, but then getting your team together and having a strategy and then executing on that strategy, it's going to take some time, but you know, I mean, you should be able to do it, man. You got, like George says, you're charismatic, you know, people. Uh, and you're, holy shit. First of all, this is just Jason. If you're watching this dude, this is literally saying what the chart said, right? Creepy. But second <laughs> of all, it, it's exactly assembling the team. First of all, 7,000 people, dude. There's a lawyer in there, and I know that you were there. You, <laughs> doctor, yep. up. we have something here. So, the, and my my friend, one of my best friends, is a bioengineer. It's like having the fucking thing right in front of you, and you're like, oh, I just can't see. That's that's the thing. <laughs> but yeah, how, hearing you, like, it's hard to see the forest from the trees, right? Yeah, right. There's a <clears throat> lot of forest there. So, dude, thank you so much, both of you, because now. Literally, this stream, just this stream right now, it's in the group. So, hi, you're here. Like, when it happened, this is pretty insane, right? <laughs> I just have to reach out. I just have to go and remind the people about the conversation that we already have and say, you want to hit the start button on this? Let's do it, because here's everything you need. Holy shit. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I think there's plenty of people. I think you can find a lot of people that are interested in, and probably... You know what? Jason's in Colorado. I bet you he could connect you with some people that fought for the laws. Like, you know, yeah. I think whatever laws they were facing there may make for good literature for you to have in your pocket when you're sitting down in a meeting or when you're sitting down with a team of people trying to figure out ways around it or, you know, pilot projects exactly. or something like that. You know, there's a book it. called John, John Ronson. John Ronson wrote a book called The Psychopath Test. And in the 60s, when drugs were illegal, they did all kinds of LSD studies with prisoners. And um, not only is it a interesting read, but it's it's quite fantastic. One of the stories in there is like uh, it's it was John Ronson went and interviewed one of the guys that was in prison, and they took they they gave all these prisoners LSD. And this one guy tells a story about how you know he was like so amazed at first, like he took they took the drugs and then they they tied the people together because they wanted, they were trying to figure out behavior and they wanted these violent criminals to be more, you know, in tune with themselves and not be angry. And the guy tells the story, like, you know, so we take the LSD and like, I'm starting to feel pretty good. And like, they tie us together. And like, I look at this giant guy next to me and I'm like, yeah, man, I can, I'm becoming a brother with this guy. And then about an hour in, I realized I'm tied to a mass murderer. <laughs> and I start freaking out. <laughs> it's like I'm tripping my balls off and I'm tied next to this guy. It's a pretty funny, it's a great book. It's called The Psychopath Test. But the, the wow. point I brought it up for is that in that book, they, type, they talk about psychedelic studies they did in the 60s with different types of drugs like that. And they had some really awesome results. So I don't know if you want to, it's, it's fun oh, to read, but it might be worth checking out. Absolutely. That sounds like amazing content to basically bring to the table. Yeah. Like, and, and I'm sure if you just did a cursory glance of studies of psychedelics or other, yeah. other, other stuff or, you know what, you Dude, could probably. Just, just the fact that we're talking, just yeah. the fact that I'm here right now talking to you yeah. and Anthony and Paul, yeah. we're literal world shifters. Just <laughs> right. let's not go and not acknowledge that because <laughs> we're literally doing something that's going to shift things in a big fucking way. And just having those kind of friends, 
you know, it, it speaks for itself. You have these amazing con the resources that you don't really get anywhere else, like the stories, the research, people to talk to, all these things. I think now I'm getting it. But they say the network is your net worth. Yeah. Yes. Amazing to think that, you know, a couple guys with a computer from Canada to Maui to Hawaii could affect drug policy in Norway. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine? How awesome is that? <laughs> How that awesome would be fascinating. Oh, what what time is it in Norway right now? Man? It has to be like three a.m. Yeah, it's like two, or maybe two, not three a.m. but like two. Yeah, two two thirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dedication. This, see, I love this topic. See, this is like I, I, I'm picking up my son tomorrow from school, and I was like, "Well, I have had one week without him. I felt kind of unproductive. I need to do something. I really want to be part of those." psychedelic talks with the round table again yes it, it seems like a good idea let's just do that and see cool. here, that is the intuition you so what about. that is the eyes what what are the laws in norway it's just completely illegal yeah one like, gram yeah. illegal cannabis same thing yeah dude they they will spend not even like five grams or three grams you're allowed on you you're just yeah illegal, well actually but... when i'm thinking about yes you can they're not as hard on you if you have like up to a certain limit. I'm thinking maybe it's even 20 grams of something. But if you That's go above bad. that, no, actually, when you start talking about it, they have been quite lenient these last few years. They've just been too focused to notice. So we are actually yeah. doing something that is good then. Hey, hey Tor, what about the possession of Mycelium or Tor? You have to say that again. You broke up a little what, bit. What, what about the possession of Mycelium or Spores? Yeah, no, those are still like if you were caught spores are probably legal, no? No, illegal. Like they, they said they illegal. moved that into it. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like got them on your clothes. Use. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, it's yeah. definitely. But if uh, if people are seen here, you know, picking shrooms in the season, there have been stories in the community where the cops have come and there's actually been dogs with them. Like that that's just overkill. It's like spending the whole day trying to catch one you gotta come tuned to up fucking moped. Oh god, how is it there? <laughs> <laughs> Cops with dog. Yeah. You know, okay, so in in another thing that is exactly the same only different is that um uh you know, there's analogs. Like you get like four ACO DMT. Like that's yeah. what they use inside like the the labs and stuff like that. Uh you know, they, they have these different analogs that basically break down to, to psilocybin or psilocin. And, um, you know, that's what they, it's not, it's not technically illegal because it's not psilocybin. It's not a mushroom, but it's the exact same substance. And that's, that's, that's yeah. And that's legal. Like you can get them from labs in Canada. Like Canada is probably the best place to, to get that type of substance because the labs there are, you know, it's a, it's an awesome country, but yeah, so like four ACO DMT, um, four you know, there's all these four hydroxies, whatever. But it's it's just an analog. They just add like a hydrogen molecule to psilocybin, and when you take it, you burn off that molecule, and then it turns right into that. You know, so if you had that, that you could have that substance and have it not be illegal. You know, the same way they have LSD versus like a, you know, I, I forgot some of the analogs, but that's that's another thing in the 60s that they did. We're like, oh, I don't have that. I have this. And it's not classified. Therefore, it's not illegal. So, I mean, that might be worth checking out. And I've done 4-ACO-DMT. It's pretty American. amazing. I think that's an American thing, George, because, like, you know, around the world, you know, you could 
even though you're giving people a substance that's legal, it's the way that they're behaving yeah, and the yeah, yeah. that substance. They actually have laws against, you know, they're like, you know, mm. I don't know the word for it, but it's like, you know, being a menace or, you know, you're, you're, you know what I mean? You're, you're different people, you know, yeah. properly type of laws, you know what I'm saying? And they, they, mm. they fuck you up with that shit. Yeah. You know? And it's like, yeah, you know, like a lot of that stuff in more lenient. You know, yeah, everything's more lenient in the U.S. versus everywhere else, and then mm. like, and then also to uh, I, I did get Tor. Is that your name? To to your point, yeah. I think once um once America, because America is like the world leader. I think most countries, yeah. every country, as far as your banks go, they all deal with American currency, so they're all tied in with the U.S. They don't want to lose that relationship, so they they kind of have to follow suit and do what Big Brother does. So. I think I think once America legalizes weed, it'll be legal everywhere. Like it will, yeah. it'll fall, and then the same thing will happen with the psychedelics and pretty much everything else. I think they're just a world leader. Uh, everybody has the largest reserves of U.S. currency, and you don't want to lose that ability to do business with the giant. So that's kind of the U.S. has the world by the balls right now. <laughs> kind of yeah. paradigm shift without the without the like like we spoke about before i think it's hard to it's hard for an industry to grow and mature without financial institutions behind it right i think um even for you to get you you could have seven thousand people that are interested in taking psilocybin in norway but if there was no support from a bank or something or a- anything to bank your money with or to work with or to grow this to grow the experience and what you're doing you're you're kind of just stuck in the mud. All about the money. It's yeah, every time. Yeah. Every single time. No, it's that that's the bottom line. Everything has to do with money. It's all about the money. The reason why the drugs are illegal and stay that way is because of money. And I yeah. think that, that's it. If people just saw that, that would make me trying to teach people how to earn money not that taboo because people are actually frowning upon that here. Weird. Yeah. But hell yeah. Also, the, the um, as you said, also, yes, talking about ACO DMT, and there was one something, one thing that I really wanted to stress. First of all, as I said earlier in this podcast, I don't do fucking shrooms anymore. And when you come at the door, when you try to raid, when you try to do a raid, like whatever here, because we know that you're watching, we know that we have people in this group, and you're not just here for the knowledge, right? You're going to have a hard time finding anything because I'm not that stupid. If I'm running a freaking group of this size, do you think that I would have the stiff at home with my kids? No, just saying. So we could avoid a whole bunch of unnecessary shit just by you contacting me like a normal person and let's talk this out because you see, I have freaking things. I have research, network, and fucking capacity to go out there and actually speak about this because you're not owning me. I'm not being funded by the government and I don't have a job. I create my own. So there is... See, and also I'm not a fan of suicide. I've said that so many times and it's creepy because I'm not saying it for fun. You know, I'm just trying to get that really I'm out there. That his... Yeah. No. Because in these for times, sure. you know what fuck <laughs> shit happens. Hey, it's funny you mentioned the suicide thing. You can get you can get assisted suicide in Canada in 10 days. Um, but it takes six months to get your medical license for suicide. It can take up to six months. But you can get your you can get your uh, like a, like somebody to Assist, assisted really? suicide in 10 days. Yeah. 
Wow. If you're end, term, end the term patient, end the term illness, you can get assisted suicide in, I believe it's 10 days. And for, for psilocybin to get your, to get your end of term patient prescription for psilocybin as a medical patient from the health Canada, the government, it, it can take up to six months. If you, and that's if you get it. Right. That is insane. It's like in Norway, if you jump from a bridge that is X high and is there's a danger for you dying, you will get a fine for trying to kill yourself. What if you did it because of financial issues? <laughs> it's so fucking ironic, the entire system. <laughs> oh That's what I'm God. saying about like, you know, having the 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 substance that really isn't the substance and then going to a place like Norway and giving it to people and then they all trip out and then you know what I mean? It's like it's it's yeah. it's laws like that. Like you jump yeah. to something higher than thirty feet, and now it's, it's you're trying to kill yourself, type of shit. You know that wouldn't look good. It's yeah. all about how the neighbor looks here. We call it, we always you can see it in the freaking neighborhoods when one does something that is status wise higher on the ladder than the other ones, and this is probably all over the world. You will mm -hmm. see the other houses start morphing down the line, which is weird, right? if we can just acknowledge that we can be weird like you don't have to care about what other people think so much be yesterday i did a freaking I, I call it a ragdoll dive now because i've seen it so many times i literally i drove 15 hours around norway just to just to get a variation from the office i drove all the way up and there was like three feet well actually it's, i have to convert in my head 12 feet of snow which is quite a lot right it's like three meters yeah. right you can see like these yeah. huge fucking walls next to the road. It was insane. A lot, a lot of snow. It was cold. It was like 22 to below Celsius. So we sounds we like Canada. Up, yeah, it's yeah, right. We went up there, and I just had this uh, this spur of the moment kind of thing. I stand there, said, "Can you record this?" Because I've never had any people record this, and I think it would be fun to rewatch after. So you grab the camera, you start record, and I just say. I just felt the snow with my face over there. So I'm trying to do the same thing here. I went up to the side of the road and I just hands down with my back towards it. And I just jumped, right? Hands down my body and I just face planted in the snow. It looked like a fucking Ace Ventura ragdoll kind of dive. <laughs> it was like, just do that. Be a kid. Be weird. Have fun. Because it actually, it actually feels good. And you want to do more of it. But not enough people are doing it. So it's not catching on. We just need to be... Sorry. Yeah, I think I think I think a lot of people wear like a mask, you know, like yeah. everybody has to you have to wear a mask to certain people. You can't really be yourself. You can't really do this. You can't really do that. You know, so I think that's really what it is. It's just the pressures of society that we live in today. Right. Like perfect. Like I, I look at social media and you see everybody online and I feel like everything people share online is just highlights of their life. It's like yeah. one long highlight reel. It's not yeah. not real things that people experience, like you know, like the the fact that you got your bills to pay at the end of the month, or the fact that you know you maybe not in the best health, or something like that. But you know, I don't know. It's, people never share the reality or the realness of their lives. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Can maybe relate more to, but I think if if I was on a boat in Dubai, I would be. I would be sharing snaps all day, every day. But if I was just got my thing like that, I'm not going to share that on social media. So I think that's a thing. I think that people just, people wear a mask. I think that's really what it is, you know? And, and, and it's not, it's just, it's just what I think the world's become more and more. And it's unfortunate, but I see it. Like when I look at the, when I see the, uh, like the metaverse, 
and this mm. whole like web 3.0 and like where that's going it almost seems like soon we're just going to be like vegetables we're just going to go sit in a chair put some goggles on and headphones and that's it that's where we get our entertainment that's where we get our pleasure that's how we get our dopamines or, or everything we just we just sit there you know i'm afraid that's what it might be in i don't know 50 years who knows i think even sooner dude they have been yeah. AI got dropped 20th of November. They figured out nuclear fusion in December. And things are happening now at such a rate that it's hard to keep up. And people don't, people see us as a fucking conspiracy theorist. If you say that AI will start to do things in games that makes it more pleasurable to be in there, to have virtual reality as your reality, and then, you know, just think about what will happen. Ready Player yeah. 2 well, and Wally got successful for a reason. <laughs> Hey, Tori, like pretty... say America has a bunch of conspiracy theorists? Oh, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, that's, Norway have a very weird way of looking at the world. We do have our fair share of conspiracy theorists, but we always look to America for the real conspiracies. And today, oh, okay. conspiracies are literally just, you know, told you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I... It's it's interesting to look at society. Like I like the idea of a mask. I was reading this book mm -hmm. called uh, "The Spectacle of Society," and if you look at all the events that happen, this guy was talking about the degradation of being into having, and mm -hmm. having into the illusion of having. And the examples he gives is like, you know, you, you used to have this lifestyle where you would you know before social media you would buy a house and you would have some cars and then maybe they maybe it wasn't the best house and the best cars so then you could rent a home and you could lease a car and they would be nicer and bigger but you never really owned them and now we're moving into this phase where, like you really don't have anything like that you have a lot of these different like influencers that'll like rent a plane for a day you know and so you've gone from being to having from having to the illusion of having and it's kind of like well, what yeah. we're saying about a mask, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's what I see in the metaverse. It's like I have land. I don't own a house in real life. I yeah. pay all this high rent, but I own land and a house in the metaverse. Yeah. And that's yeah. like you something that you can't touch. It's not tangible. It's nothing. It's just it's almost like it's almost like if it doesn't happen online, it it's not happened. real anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and online is not real. Exactly. That's why I'm so passionate about, you know, the Legacy Forge and the Human Development Center, because that's going to be very virtual reality. But it's going to be coming, it's on the ass end of teaching people from a young age the difference, the balance between nature and reality, virtual reality. Because now, dude, we have to do things that we didn't have to consider when I grew up, like an iPad. My five-year-old knowing about Netflix and Coca-Cola and all these other things saying that she got disconnected from her iPad. She's five years old, for God's sakes. <laughs> so if if they catch on this early to technology with AI and the fucking rapid development of that thing, if people can't see that right now we have a fucking responsibility to teach people that it is not only about the virtual, we also have this earth and nature and energies and frequencies and meditation and consciousness and fucking liberty caps that we can tap into to not be such a victim in consumption. Like, oh my God, I'm getting so passionate about these things. I had these. This thing was my face when I started the community of 7,000 people now. But I started it as this because I was a scared motherfucker for what they would say about me. Proof of right. point. Case closed. What the fuck? 
<laughs> wow. No, yeah. that's Got to wear a mask so you can talk about things, you know. <laughs> I don't know. The day, yeah, the day I did a live stream and I took off the mask online live stream, I'm just this is fucking me, guys. Put me to jail, <laughs> and they haven't put me to jail yet. But I'm saying, like, I'm talking to these people because they are awesome to talk to. We're not a fucking Norway would probably be like a uh, a global drug league, probably. And I say that because I've always I've already been said to be a drug kingpin because I was catched and some of my friends did some stuff. And because I had done some horrible, I, I committed robberies basically to survive back when I was dark. And when that happened, of course, I was a bad motherfucker because I had done badder things than them. So of course, he is a drug kingpin, and I was literally portrayed as that for Norway in the biggest newspaper. But I know how quickly people can draw assumptions and just think that because people are talking this way, they have to be crazy, or they have to be fucking conspiracy theorists, or they have to be in league with Russia or whatever it is today. You know what? Like, I, I, I wanted to, in our one of our initial conversations, Tor, you had told me mm -hmm. something that I, I, you told me a lot of things, but there's one thing I keep thinking about. And you had told me, like, in dark times, you know, it's the same as being in incredibly enlightened times. Like, you, if you want to be dark, you have to work to be dark. You have to work hard to get better at it, the same yeah. way you have to work hard to be good at it. Yeah. And I was just, it was, I was wondering if you could touch on that again. Like, I, like, it blows my mind because it makes so much sense. Like regardless of what you choose to do, like if you're mm -hmm. choosing to be like the best criminal, like you have to work hard because there's other criminals trying to be better than you. Yeah. But if you want to be the best person that you can, you still got to work hard. How, can you compare yeah. and contrast those two mindsets for me? Yeah. And I think that that's many people have talked about this before and very sensible as well. It's so easy to do the easy things. It's hard to do the good things. So if you're doing something to change your mind, if you're changing your way of seeing the world and thinking and reacting to everything and your ego and all these things, fucking hard if you haven't seen that thing at work, right? Yeah. But it's so easy to go out there and just slap a fucking shotgun in the face of a two-year-old in their crib because they have candy you want, right? That does, doesn't acquire much more than being a fucking sick person. But if you want to do things, it's easier to be lazy. It's easier, and then when you're lazy, it's easier to see that, okay, shit, I need something. What can I do? And then if you start drink because you're lazy and you're, you don't want to do anything, maybe you start hanging out with the wrong people. And then that just escalates. After a while, you're starting to have ideas because you are the sum of the five people you hang around with the most. And all of a sudden, one sees something that you have that they want, a PS3 in this case, right? And they want to take that. They want to have, have that for themselves. So let's just go in and rob a fucking electronic store. Sounds like a fucking nice, awesome idea. That escalated to having a, I'm talking about real experience. This is literally my story right now. That escalated to a fake call to the police department where we called in a fatality, which was, you know, the level above that trying to get into the store, level above being lazy, level above being a drunk, which escalated into fucking setting fire to a fucking mall in a drunken accident. And then that pushed on other external factors, which is like, you are a criminal. I don't like you because you burned down my my store, which took quite a lot of going to. Like there was a journey to get to that point, but unwillingly, not knowingly, because it was the easy way to do it. Then all of a sudden, people are starting to avoid you. You become a criminal. You identify as a criminal. You start to do things that criminals do, and you see that you actually have to be smart. You have to think about marketing when you're going to sell weed or you're going to sell 
speed or whatever. And you have to bring a gun to the business meetings because those fuckers can't be trusted. And you have to look over your back and you have to store your fucking product in places that people don't want to see you. All these different things requires even more laziness until you reach the point where you see that you have to work for it. You have to do certain things. And for doing those things, you have to go through certain fears. Like, what if the cops take me? What if I am being arrested right now? Which just escalates even more until you pistol whip your friend in the face because it's going to look realistic. (laughs) All of these things is the exact same as doing something good because it just requires way more to be successful in life in a good, positive way because you have to work on yourself, which is a scary fucking thing. You have to do things that you normally don't do, like trust yourself to have value, to help someone, to ask for the sale. Because if you don't have any support from elsewhere, you have to actually create whatever you are eating. You have to create the income that is going to support your family. For that to happen, you have to value yourself in order to see what you can bring to the table. You have to do things that is incrementally harder and harder and harder until they become the status quo. So I guess seeing that specter, seeing that darkness and being there and knowing that I could easily have killed, I stopped myself 50% in the journey of killing someone because he ratted me out. I had acid in the truck. That's when I said, this is probably not a fucking good idea. Maybe I should rethink this whole situation and started to think differently and read and feed my mind with actual information instead of the fucking dress size of Kim Kardashian and how her ass ruined the internet. Like, it's, there's so many things to study today. This is radiating your nuts every day and it has Einstein's brain in it. <laughs> but people are not using it for that. You know, they have fucking scrolling issues. Like, they're... I'm getting, yeah, exactly. Sorry to go on a rant again, but it is increasingly like it's the same thing. You're gonna have to work to go dark, you're gonna have to work to go light, but you have to go work harder to go to the positive side because you have to actually be a good person. That requires work on yourself. <sighs> instead of taking from others. See, that's the point. It requires work on yourself instead of taking it from the others, because that's easy. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's a incredible point because I, you know, when I look at, I'll tie this into education. I think when we look at education today, what we see is a lot of people that have read some books and have want to be teachers, but they don't have the actual experience to teach the thing that they want other people to learn. And I think it's been a problem, not only for higher education, but I think even in psychedelics, we have a, with big pharma kind of coming in, and clinical trials coming in. There's a lot of people that are involved who've never really had a psychedelic experience. And it seems problematic to me that people can heal other people that have never been through a situation before. And so I think you could go full circle. And if you wanted to work with the, the jails, the fact that you've been through these situations, I think make you even more capable of helping the people that were in prison more than a, a, a professional of some sort, more than a caseworker, more than, you know, even a psychologist on some level, because you are a psychologist. You are someone who's been through the experience, who's found a path out and knows how to show other people that pathway. So I think that as difficult as it is to tell that story, I think that that is a story that people listen to, not only listen to, but understand like that, that is credibility on a level that most teachers don't have. I could not fucking agree with you more. I call them over. I call them overweight certified fitness coaches. Most people yeah. who are certified and just read the fucking book. They haven't done the thing. They haven't. You have people teaching about finance, about how to become a millionaire, 
but they were working on his salary. Where did you make that <laughs> logical? Right? It's yeah. I that's, could that's not actually, agree. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the life coaches too. Like I see all these oh life coaches. It's God. the newest thing. It's like I'm gonna be a life coach. Like, what can you coach me about life? You're like, if you got to coach me about life, if you're 100 years old. And then you can exactly. be a life coach, you know. You've lived life, life so you can tell me about life. Exactly. You need, yeah, you need life experience to be a life coach. People don't see that. They see that is the most fascinating thing I've seen in such a long time. Like how people can just see this will make me money. How do I research my market, my target audience? Like who should I target now that I'm a life coach at the age of nineteen? Wow, <laughs> such incredible stats. Like it's, that's the world we live in. It's a fucking, it's a social media brand. It's Instagram. It's like whatever you can produce to look good and how mm. it can word yourself, no matter if you're reading from a script, because I see most of most of them does that. You read from a script, just like, do you feel stuck in life? Do you want something more? Right? These things that just trigger something. And those people are viewed as expert in our community. But I see, I, I think that, I think this is going to resonate with a lot of people. You've gone through the shit. You have learned some stuff that most people thought was science fiction, but rather it was based on those sorts of things. People have gone through the shit to create a journey based on that. And you think that you start to think that you don't have the value, that you have gone through it, but that just makes you a loser because you're now a criminal, right? You, you, you're not, you don't have the clout because you've been something that everyone deems as stupid. Now, it sounds weird, but... That makes you doubt yourself to the point where you don't think that you can do anything. And I think that a lot of people are sitting with this. They went through the contrast of life, which I say is the fucking value. That's where the goal is. But they went through the contrast. And sometimes they're still there because they haven't met their like-minded people. So they haven't made sense of their thoughts. They still think they're not valued. And they will not share the value because of that. It's an evil circle, right? Yeah. And, you know, you need a job. So you go to a job. You're so tired when you get home. You don't want to start reading. You don't want to start doing things that is going to require work. You just want to sleep or eat or masturbate or do something until you have to go to work the next morning. It doesn't really allow for any progress in how you see world, how you see your own self, and how you can provide something for other people to actually get out of the prison, the invisible prison that we're so many people are in. And Anthony, yeah. Anthony I love the fact that you said that people don't talk about the things that actually are a problem these days. Mental health. The education system, how creativity is being robbed by people because that's just how schools work. <laughs> you know, all these things that just people don't talk about because it's taboo. So I'm, I'm truly grateful for us to have this conversation right now because I'm thinking it's, it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah, I think I know that for me, and I'm curious what you guys feel. I, I think when I came to the conclusion that if you want your life to be better, you should you should try to make everyone around you better. You know, and that kind of feeds into the idea that you are the summation of your five closest friends. Like once you start, and I think psychedelics helps, helps it helped me mm -hmm. see this. Psychedelics helped me to see that the things I see in other people, like if it's a good thing or a bad thing, I can only recognize what's in me. I can only recognize things about myself. So if I see something in Anthony, if I see something in Tor, or if I see something in Paul that I like, it's me recognizing something that I know. And I'm like, oh, they do this thing that's pretty cool. But you're just reminding me of something either I do or I'm capable of doing. And on the yeah. flip side of that, if I see someone that I'm like, oh, I don't want to be like that person, why don't you want to be like that person? Because that's something that you do that you don't like about yourself. Yeah. And so 
when you when you can grasp those two things that the people that you interact with are but a shadow of you or are a mirror to you is probably a better way to look at it. And then you can say, okay, well, how do I make this person next to me better? What are these things that I like about them? How can I get them to continue to do that better? I think when you start to figure that out and you start making people around you better, you start making your environment better and you start feed. It's like that. It's that you've turned that negative feedback loop into a positive feedback loop and you're getting this energy and you start getting momentum and you start rolling and rolling. And next thing you know, you're, you're talking to people from three different parts of the world at the same time and you're vibing and you're, you're feeling good about yourself and you're, so I, I think that those are what you said is 100% accurate. And what do you think about the idea of the people you meet being a mirror? I love that. And that is why we created the legacy forge. <laughs> Literally. The legacy awesome. forge is about that. That is a like-minded tribe of accountability partners who will ensure that you reach success because they have found success in their own hearts. Maybe not. Like I, I say that I'm not a millionaire. I make millionaires, but I'm not a millionaire yet. <laughs> right. It's a fucking statement because people have it in them, but they have to have someone else to see that. If they don't see mm -hmm. that, they can't guide them through unearthing that magnificent spark that is in within every single person in the world. You just need to see that they they're good at that thing. Yeah. You know. So yes, I, I agree 100. If you don't have mirrors, what are we like? We have to have people who who can help us along. That's why mentorship is so huge in in Asia. That's why. Rites of passage were a thing before, but they stopped doing those because technology or whatever happened. I don't know. We're going to get that back through the tribe and the Legacy Forge. Actually, through the tribe and Legacy Forge. Because it's so important. You know, Legacy Forgers are people who take that pain, turn it into power, take that mess and turn it into message, and then help and heal the fucking world. Burn the fucking boats. Yeah. Like, yes. Fuck yeah. But I burn have something for you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I have a question for you because I have someone who asked the question a while back. Sorry for not acknowledging nice. you sooner. What age limit do you think that psychedelics should have if it got legal? And that's I think that's oh. a very good one because oh nice, you have you have two. You I like that. that that's that, something that, I'm gonna see. That's something no, that's, I'm gonna start doing. <laughs> yeah, can you put yours up? Can you put yours up? No, it's on YouTube, so I haven't uh oh. I can, but it's gonna look weird. But oh. yeah, actually I think that an age limit on psilocybin should be 25 years old simply because of brain development and all that stuff and life experience because the trip will be dependent on where you are in life what you think your mindset your paradigm and basically how well along your brain is but that is my opinion what do you think well it's a great question and um i i would i would reference um a book by uh, aldous huxley called the island and I think that kids could start a, a lot younger. I, I think that maybe at the age of like 12, you know, you would have like a first ceremony. And in my mind and in that book of like Aldous Huxley, they talk about children, you know, like maybe in the book, they tell the story about they go and they climb this rock. And when they, after they climb this rock, they find themselves at like a monastery. And at the monastery, they take like their first psychedelic trip together with the other kids that were able to climb the rock. And at that wow. point in time, you know, it, it's a rite of passage. We're like, okay, now you're no longer a child. Now you see what is possible. You've taken the medicine and now you, you're on the path to become one of us. And I think it, it allows someone at that age, the responsibility of, of understanding like, okay, now, now you get to mentor the five and seven year old because you've passed this test. 
And I think when you give kids responsibility like that, you, you, you weed out some of the, the angst and some of the, the pushback they would get because now they have a job to do and it's a job they want to do. They probably, and, and if you look at that in a cycle, the five-year-olds have a 12-year-old mentor. You could pair them up that way. And I, you know, that's, a, that's in a perfect society, but it, there's no reason why that couldn't be in a community. Exactly. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I don't I don't see a problem with microdosing for kids as young as like five. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying like that's something that I, I don't see that as being problematic. I don't think you want to give a huge dose, but you know, well, I, CBD I, is the thing. CBD to children, like seizures and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, why so not? It's, it's kind of already been done. Like I just, yeah, I agree 100. That sounds yeah. very much. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be my that would be my take. What do you think, Paul? I don't know. It sounds a little young to me. Yeah, but why? Because now, if if we do like the sensible thing and really microdose to a point where they don't see anything, and you know about the development of the brain, and you can follow them along with the personal guidance, and have a system that supports, you know, science. You don't really you want to just give them right away. But what do you think, Paul? Um. Well, I mean, again, you use the word guidance, right? Yeah. And so for me in psychedelics, I'm really not into like the whole, you know, coaching guidance, mm. you know, sh mentor shaman type of, you know, authoritarian, you know, authoritative figure, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a personal journey type of person, you know, I was the same thing. I was exactly the same thing, but here's what I saw. What I tried because I was scared. I was I did not want to share my way of doing it because I, I it was a very personal, very intimate way of my life. So I didn't want to share that with anyone because I thought that was going to fuck it up. I would probably pick up on their energy or whatever. But then I tried. I invited four people. Yeah, again, that's when we met George. And then we just talked and we were there for each other. Everyone was doing their individual journey, but everyone was there for each other. When one, and that happened, had a bad trip another one stepped in because he saw what he needed so he got he guided him back and there was not not like guiding it was you're doing your trip you're doing your journey and whenever you need anything you have your tribe around you everyone doing the same thing everyone having the same mindset and that that changed the whole as you said the authoritarian aspect of it because it, it made things more like a tribe a community nice my think? um I gotta uh I gotta just stop for a minute. My my wife is telling me it's time to start landing the plane, man. So dude, I, I love talking to you guys. This has been an absolute blast. And uh yeah. before we quit though, I wanted to maybe go around the horn and uh let everybody tell the audience what they're up to, where they can find you and and what they're excited about. So let's start with you, Tor. What what uh where can people find you and what do you got coming up? Well, we have the thing coming up, which is like creating a brand new world so right now we're creating a new game we're creating the in entrance basically so in a very short while you can go down to thelegacyforge.com <laughs> where you can start the journey and it's completely free and once in a time we're going to create a webinar and it's happening right now so thelegacyforge.com <laughs> anthony do you want do you want to weigh in on the uh age of psychedelics before you before we tell people what you got coming up and where can people uh, find you I definitely think the kids are too young. I think I'm in between 12 and 25, like you guys are saying. I think let's, I think yeah. I'll say like, uh, you know, like 16. What's the, what's the age of consent? If you're old enough to have sex, I think 16, you can yeah. have some psychedelics. 
There you so go. 16, 18 years old, like I think that's like right around the kind of right age. It's where you're, it's for me, anyways. I know when I was like 18, like that teenager, like a lot of the fav- my favorite things that I did and like all those things, like really shaped me to who I am today. Like I still listen to music that I listened to when I was 16, when I was 18. I still enjoy doing things that I did when I was 16 and 18. So I think like that 16, 21, 25, like those kind of ages, that age right there, I think is a good age to That feels good with me as well. 12, yeah. 12, 12 might be a little too young. I do like the, I do like the mentorship though. The, uh, like, you know, the five-year-old being mentored by eight-year-old and yeah. eight-year-old being mentored by a uh, 12-year-old and so on. Because for me, if I go and get mentored by a 60-year-old, it was it was thirty years ago when he was sixty versus the eight year old mentoring a five year old three years ago. He actually really remembers that, knows what it was like, uh, you know, going through a growth spurt or like things like that, you know. So I think that 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 could be something that's interesting. I think yeah, giving kids responsibilities earlier on and maybe some mentorship and that kind of stuff and maybe gearing them away from technology would be good. But yeah. that's a whole other conversation to be had. I'm one hundred percent on board because twenty five was my normal thing but you blew my mind george yes <laughs> i agree with all of you actually but yes so anthony what where can people find you and what do you got coming up uh you can find me on linkedin anthony bailey or theogen.com uh my cannabis company is herbs.com uh, herbsjam.com um and what i got coming up i'm just i've been working hard at the psilocybin thing here breeding uh, we've been breeding. We've developed uh, mycelium that we're able to mycelium that produces psilocybin in seven days instead of the traditional eight-week cycle. And really, me and my partner, Dr. Vangelis, who's actually in Jamaica, and I'm unfortunately in Canada now, but we're working on commercializing our findings and really bringing them to market and um, seeing what's next. I think we're not really we're not uh, shamans or guiding people or anything. I think our biggest thing is. Um, giving people clean, consistent product because right now the kind of bridging the gap, what I saw in psilocybin, uh, it's just like with the cannabis when it first came out, you saw weed, smells good, look good, this is good bud, but you didn't know how much CBD was in it, how much THC mm-hmm. was in it. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We're just trying to supply people with product that you can legitimately dose yourself. You know the amount of terpamine content, trips, not, sorry, not terpamine, tryptamine content in there. So you can, you know, really determine your microdose or your ego dose or your regular dose, whatever you're trying to get to. So that's that's what we've got going on. I like it. I love I it. Like it. Yeah, man. Paul, what about you, buddy? What what's the good word? Um, you know, just beekeeping and farming here on Maui. And uh, you can catch me on uh, the psychedelic roundtable on Sundays. Nice, 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 gentlemen. I- it's an absolute blast. I, I'm totally thankful to have met and get to spend time with every one of you. Uh, this is going to be a big year for all of us. I, I got some big things on the horizon. I hope that you'll all choose to be part of them. And I look forward to talking to each one of you more in depth as the year goes on. So thank you to everybody. Everybody who's listening and watching, reach out to the guests here. They're all awesome people. They all have a lot of insight and knowledge and would probably love to talk to you. So reach out to them. And that's all we got for today. Ladies and gentlemen, So stoked you're here. Aloha.
Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.